Good morning, everyone. It's so lovely to see you. Um, my name is Chantel, if you don't know me. Um, and it's lovely to be here together in Carrick Academy slash Downshire. <laughs> that can be the new name. Um, so um, for those of you who were here last week, it was our 13th birthday. And I've got a wee picture. There's Elizabeth and Joan. <laughs> Um, yeah, and as you know, we enjoyed some ice cream. I'm not sure who enjoyed their ice cream more. You can see from these pictures and another one. Yeah, so the ice cream was very popular. So our church is now a teenager, and don't we know the reputation of teenagers? They can be awkward, they can have a lot of attitude, and they can be good at arguing. But I know not all teenagers are like that. You boys, you're not like that, are you? <laughs> and hopefully, as a church, we're not going to be like that as a teenager. But I do think there is an element of growing up, you know, from childhood. Um, teenage years are a new age and stage, a new defining of identity. And we aren't becoming a different church. Just as a child, he grows up as in, into a teenager. They're the same child inside. But we are developing and evolving. And maybe I was wondering if there might be some growing pains as we stretch into who God's making us to be. And as Paul shared with us last week, as leaders, we're seeking the Lord and we're praying and we're dreaming and we're wanting to plan about the future in the same way a teenager might be thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? So um, we want to thank you as well. Last week we put out some little um, questions on the tables outside in the foyer just for you to answer. Um, and we enjoyed reading your answers. And they're out there again. So if you didn't get a chance to answer the questions last week, have a wee look at that. And you can either fill it in or take it home and take a photo and send it in. That would be great. So we're just loving having this new place to gather together each Sunday. Like a teenager, Carrick Fergus Vineyard has come to big school. So last week we heard from Paul and this week you've got me. And um, while I'm here, I just wanted to take an opportunity to say again, thank you to Kate for all she did while we were off. And she was very wise because she said to us, you know, when we were thinking about before we went off for the summer, coming back, she said, we'll not put you on the speaking road in the first couple of weeks. We'll give you a chance to settle in and hear what God's been doing and how everyone's been. And that was super wise of her. And also just want to say thank you to our leadership team and our board of directors who made it possible to have the time. And it was so good to rest and reflect after 13 years of leading this amazing church. And I'm just so grateful for all of you. I just love our church family. And I'm just so thankful that we get to do this. And we were at Legacy at the weekend, which is our Vineyard Ireland Leaders Gathering. And it was just great to be there with some people from our church and see what God's doing across all of our churches and across this island. So I just wanted to say, as well this kind of isn't a normal talk because I wanted to share some of the things that God showed me when we were off um, on sabbatical but I believe that some of it will help you guys too as we all follow Jesus together so just a disclaimer it's not a normal sermon <laughs> So birthdays can often be a time to reflect, can't they? So 13, becoming a teenager. Some big birthdays like 21st, 30th, 40th, 50th, 60th. 
Some of us are getting past that. When I turned 40, me and my uni friends, who I've known since we were 18, renamed our WhatsApp group 40 is the new 30, but soon we might have to rename it 50 is the new 40. <laughs> but some of you might know that Paul had a big birthday recently. Yeah, he turned 50. And when we were talking to people about it, we heard different reflections. So some people were saying, oh, it was easier to turn 50 than it was 40. Or some people, you know, were saying, oh, just wait till you reach 60. So turn to your neighbor and tell them which age milestone you preferred. Maybe for some of you, it's not even 21 yet. But turn to your neighbor and say, which age milestone did you prefer? Very good. You can tell each other as well in the cafe afterwards which one was the hardest and which one was the easiest. And who had the best party, maybe? So for Paul's birthday, he didn't want a big fuss or a party, which was fine by me because I didn't have to organize it. But I do think half a century is something to be celebrated and reflected on. Like, what has my life been up until now, and what will the next decade look like? And as part of our sabbatical, as Paul shared last week, in June we had a few days in Scotland, which was wonderful. I've got a wee picture of, this is me in Stonehaven, which is in the east coast of Scotland. And you probably won't be able to read that right in there, but this chip shop, Chippy Fish Bar claimed to be the birthplace of the world famous Deep Fried Mars Bar. I actually thought that was the Victoria hotspot, but you know, everyone claims it. But anyway, we spent some time with our friends at Catalyst Vineyard, James and Tori, and I've got a picture of them in their church. Yeah, so that's Catalyst Vineyard, and that's our fr friends there who. Um, James is the assistant pastor, and it was so lovely to be there. It was so great to see what God's doing in the life of that church and learn from their staff and their story. And as part of our time there, our friend Tori, who's a trained spiritual director, did some exercises with us too to help us reflect. Um, and it was so super helpful. And one of them was actually reflecting on each decade of our lives. So she gave us questions to think about for each decade, like, who was I in that time? Who was God to me? How did I understand faith at that time? Were there significant scriptures or songs or people or phrases or symbols during that time of my life? And what did I need to hear in that time? And if I was to go back and pray for the younger me, what would I pray for them? And there was other things too, but that gives you a general idea. So as you can imagine, it was a very insightful and at times moving reflection for me. I was remembering childhood, teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, and how my faith has evolved over that time. My relationship with God has grown. I was remembering some significant events, some that were joyful and some that were painful and sad, but they, they all shaped me. I was remembering people who'd been significant in my life at different times. And if I, people have been asking me, you know, what was your sabbatical like? 
what was your takeaway from your sabbatical? And I could say that the headline I took from that rich time and that God used over the time of my sabbatical was that he said to me, I've always been writing your story. I've always been writing your story. In every single decade, he knew me. In fact, he knew me before I was even born. In the Bible, in Psalm 139, it says, he knit me together in my mother's womb. He created my inmost being. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And in the book of Matthew in the New Testament, it says the very head on my hairs are numbered as we were beautifully reminded two weeks ago at our family gathering, we are worth more than many sparrows. So as I reflected, I realized there's times God was with me even when I didn't see it or feel it. And there may be times that I find it hard to believe those words from the Bible, but they are the truth about what God says about me and they are the truth about what God says about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are so precious that the head, the hairs on your head are numbered. You're worth more than many sparrows. And as God has reminded that to me today, I want to remind you that these things are true. We're all on a journey to know God more and to know more of how he sees us as his precious children. And I just want to encourage you guys also, maybe take the time to reflect whether that's on less than two decades or a few more decades. You know, where do you see God at work in your story? Do you know and believe you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you know your worth in God? And recently Kate shared about our value of community. And as I took that time to reflect, I was really remembering the part that people played in my story with God. And there was going right back to school. I didn't come from a family who were Christians. And there was teachers who created opportunities in my school for to grow in faith at SU and on weekends away. There was a family who took me and my brother to church every Sunday when we were teenagers. There was people who made us feel welcome at church, even though we weren't coming in our family group. There was youth leaders who opened up their homes to us as young people. You know, my list could go on of people who got me to where I am today. And I wonder for you guys, as you think back, who are those people in your life who has God given you as part of your story? Who nurtured your faith? Who made it possible for you to know that God was real, even just by opening their front door and letting you sit on their sofa? You know, I just want to encourage you guys. Today, in this next chapter of the story of our church, we can be that for others. We can welcome people it could be sitting next to them at church, making them a meal, praying, whatever it is. We are to be the people woven into the God story for people in our church and community. And as Kate also encouraged us, let's share our stories with one another. Let's be vulnerable with those who have earned the right to hear it. And on Sundays in Life Group over a coffee, let's be part of creating that safe place where people can come as they are and experience God's compassion. And I was just, you know, imagining 
there's someone who's not here today, like we prayed for it just a minute ago. There's people who aren't here today, who, who are far, who don't know Jesus. But imagine if they could come and feel safe and share their stories, no matter how hard that's been. And that one day they would be able to reflect and look back and say the same thing. God's always been writing my story. And I was writing stuff down um, in my journal and reflecting on the decades. I just remembered as well how important worship has been in my story. You know, there's certain worship songs that were significant to me at different times. And there was times when I really learned to cry out to God and worship in intercession. And I'm totally going to date myself now. And some of you younger people will be like, what are you talking about? There is a louder shout to come. Can a nation be changed? Can a nation be saved? We're on our knees again. Lord, send revival. Start with me. All of those songs were so formational in my life and crying out to God. Music and worship were so powerful. And when I hear those songs or even remember those words, I return to a place where I was on my knees crying as God broke my heart for my home in this town in our land of Ireland. I also remembered songs of comfort in times of grief. Defender, you picked up all my pieces, you put me back together. You're the defender of my heart. Faithful one, so unchanging. All through the storm, your love is the anchor. I can recall standing together with tears streaming down our faces, our church family just helping each other through with the Holy Spirit holding us. And I'm sure you guys can think of examples in your own minds of songs that sustained you. And I love what Andrea shared with us a couple of weeks ago about Mary's worship. As she poured out that alabaster jar on Jesus, it was responsive, it was intimate, it was fragrant. And I was grateful for worship over the years. God's healed me, he's challenged me, he's comforted me. And it's part of my story. And I believe it's integral to the story of this church and our vineyard movement. And I just want to encourage you guys, as we open up our hearts in worship, you know, that is a place where God transforms us. And as we stand together and pray for each other, I've been in times over the years where someone has stood beside me and prayed for me and that's given me what I needed to keep going. So let's be part of that worship story for each other. And I don't know about you guys, it's not everyone's story, but for me, I just first came to understand that I could know and love Jesus and when I was a teenager, and whenever I was reflecting back on decade not to 10, I felt a wee bit sad because I did get brought to church a little bit. And then I remember becoming a teenager and, you know, people explaining the gospel and Jesus died for me and I could have a relationship with him. And I remember thinking, why has no one ever told me this before? You know, and that is what I love about this church, that we are equipping our children from the tiniest age to know Jesus from the, for themselves, to love him wholeheartedly and to share that with others. And I love it that we believe there's no junior Holy Spirit. They can do anything that we can do. And sometimes they're far braver than us, aren't they, in praying for healing or praying for each other. And I've got a wee photo here of our kids last week. That's them in the hall. Um, just, you know, they're already settling into their space and I just feel excited of the stories that are going to happen in that space as our kids encounter Jesus. 
And um, I just think we can't underestimate what God is doing in childhood. And last week, Tom and I were moving sofas from one venue to the other. And this little five-year-old boy was standing outside with his mom and his little brother. And they, they've come to church a few times and they haven't been for a while. And he was just standing there and he said, and I said, hello, how are you? And he said, when can I come back here? And at first I thought he meant tots and I was trying to explain, oh, this is for little ones, you're a big boy, you're at school now. But then his mum said, no, he means church, he means, she called it Sunday school. So I was able to, you know, talk to her and tell her we're not in the town hall, we've moved here and you're so welcome and we'd love you to come. But like, I trust and believe that that little boy had encountered something in those times that he came to tots and he came to gems in this church. He'd find a safe place and he'd encountered Jesus and he wanted to come back. And I loved what Emma and Jeff described it a few weeks ago when they spoke about legacy, passing it on to the next generation. Could we be that shining light in our community like it says in Matthew 5, that we could welcome people, that we could see broken lives made new? For our own children and young people, we love what God's doing in their lives. We love to see that their faith is growing stronger and they're telling a different story to their peers who really need to hear a different story. And I was just um, thinking about Cara earlier, Cara Surgeoner. Um, she just realized in her school that people felt a bit intimidated by going to SU and um, because there was older ones and she just wanted to start something up for kids in her year and at lunchtime she's just started a Bible study um, and now it's just for anyone who wants to come there's Christians coming there's people who aren't Christians coming it's just for 20 minutes at lunchtime and she's now got 40 kids in her year coming to a Bible study like that is amazing and we need to be praying for our young people and our children that the they are able to, to say, God has always been writing my story and he wants to write yours. And I just want to encourage and us all to be praying for them on their weekend, as Finn said. And you know, I feel like God really gave me those words. I've always been writing your story at the beginning of our sabbatical as a bit of an anchor because it's helped me make sense of some very difficult things that have been going on that are a part of my story. And Paul shared a bit about this last week, and some of you are maybe more aware of it than others, that in the last few months, there's been difficult revelations come to the light about Alan Scott's leadership at Causeway Coast Vineyard and Mike Pilavachi's leadership at Soul Survivor. And both of those places were really formative for Paul and I. We learned so much from being there. And I would say I would call Soul Survivor and Vineyard my home because that is the place that I encountered Jesus. That is where I learned about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That's where that worship I talked about, intimate worship, became so real to me. That's where I learned that God does bind up the brokenhearted and set captives free, including me. He set me free. 
You know, I came to understand in those places how God works in our lives today, that the Bible is full of ordinary broken people used by God. And the things that we see Jesus and the disciples do, we don't just read about it in the book and put it on the shelf. God still does it today. We can see healing, we can see deliverance, we can see signs and wonders. And to be honest, it left me with a bit of a feeling of conflict. You know, that's my spiritual home. It's part of my story where I learned so much. So how can this be now? You know, do I need to forget about all this? Do I wipe it out? Do I erase it from my story? And I don't feel that some of those painful things are my direct story. But there are people, our friends, who we love and care for have experienced this and they're really hurting. And there's a lot of confusion around um, and maybe some of us are experiencing it ourselves. So I wrote this in my journal last week as I was trying to process it. And I just wanted to read this out because it's, yeah, it's just helped me and hope it helps you too. So I lament the feelings of individuals that cause people harm. And I lament that the culture of the time wasn't strong enough to prevent hurt and pain. And that people saw or heard things and didn't feel empowered to speak or join the dots or that action wasn't taken when it should have been. We need to do better so people are heard and harm is prevented. And we are committed to doing that here and reviewing everything we do with help and guidance from Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. Like the brokenness of people in the Bible and churches in the Bible, Paul had to write letters to them to correct them, to tell them off, to admonish them forcefully at times. We are a broken people, an imperfect church. We want to follow Jesus, we want to be more like him and we want to see his kingdom come. At Soul Survivor in my 20s, I saw the Holy Spirit move in my life and the lives of hundreds of other people. And when I came home, sorry, we asked God to move in our little youth group by the power of his spirit. He did. He poured out love and healing and he set people free. And I just knew. I and other leaders didn't always get it right. You know, there's times back then, as a youth leader, I just wanted to see God move. And I probably didn't say things well, or I missed things, or I hurt someone. And I am so sorry for that. And then moving on in my leadership journey, I remember leading loads of life groups in our front room at home. And I know there's times I didn't always handle things well. I've even got a few painful memories of times I really hurt someone by saying th the wrong thing. And we did build community, but there were times we made mistakes. And as a church leader, if I'm being honest, it feels for me the stakes get higher. You know, there's more people under our leadership and the leadership of others as we lead those people. And we really want to try to build a church where everyone is cared for in community. But again, we don't always get it right. In our own humanity, in our clumsiness, in our brokenness, we misunderstand. We say the wrong thing and we can hurt people. But we really want to try to understand, to be open and to do repairs if necessary. That's what I wrote down. But none of that's easy, is it? We don't 
really sometimes want to remember the painful stuff. We don't want to address the conflict. Who wants to have the difficult conversations? Most of us just want to avoid conflict. Some of us aren't willing to have the conversations or we literally don't know where to begin or how to do it. But I totally get that. But we want to stand here and say that we want to be as open as possible. And as Paul said last week, if anyone here wants to talk to us about any of this stuff, we are totally up for those conversations. You just need to talk to us to arrange a time or email us or whatever, and we will be happy to talk about it. You know, as I've taken time to reflect, and even in the few weeks since I've been back from sabbatical, it's often in the tough times that God does his best work in us, and Paul said that last week too. I think that the world tells us, you know, just have a comfortable life, you know, and I think even the enemy lies to us as well. And I think sometimes he would have us believe as Christians, you know, it should be joyful, it should be easy. But I have been reminded that we don't always know the whole story, especially when we're in the difficult middle part. And I was thinking about Joseph in the Bible, you know, he had amazing dreams. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was tricked by Potiphar's wife. He ended up in jail with loss and change, but he still trusted God. And it was maybe only later when he was reunited with his brothers and his father, and he was in fact able to save them from starvation, that God, he could remember that God in fact had always been writing his story. So we don't sometimes always know the whole story when we're in the messy part. And in my confusion, trying to make sense of all this, I really believe God placed the right people in the right time. You know, we were kind of meant to do something different in June in Scotland, and we ended up going to Aberdeen, and we ended up having that time with Tori. And God really spoke to me there. He whispered those truths for me to hold on to. We had conversations in New Zealand with people who knew and understood um, all of the things we were grappling with, and that was super helpful. And I believe God always gives us the right things at the right time, even down to this book that I picked up to read that has been on my shelf for ages, and I thought, I'll just bring that with me and I'll read it. And the book is called, I Guess I Haven't Learned That Yet, by Shauna Nyquist. There's a wee picture of the book. And I already loved it by the title. I guess I haven't learned that yet. You know, we're really hard on ourselves, aren't we? And even in that title, there's grace. We don't have to know everything. I haven't learned that yet. And this book was so helpful for me. She was so honest. Her and her husband have been in church leadership. They've been hurt themselves. And there's been difficult, thing, difficult things exposed about her own church and her own family. And she described in the book, talking with a friend, who said to her, the church is in a complete mess. There's so much wrong about it. It's so awful. Why are you even still going to church? Why do you stay? And this is what she said. I see all that, but there's a stubborn part of me that is absolutely unwilling to starve my own heart because some other people have gotten it wrong. My faith is one of the most nourishing, healing, and restorative parts of my life, and I am unwilling to go without it as a protest. I see the church's feelings. I've seen many of them up close. But show me something that hasn't been corrupted by human hands, and my hands are as fallible as any. 
I still believe the way of Jesus, even poorly done, is a better way than any other. You know, God is still writing the story of his people, and this is an ongoing journey. And as we've said loads of times before, we see the blessing and the battle often at the same time. And I have felt really disappointed, and many of you, I think, have too. Perhaps you looked up to some of these people, some of these leaders. Maybe you listened to their talks. Maybe you were inspired by their ministry. And you're upset to find that, especially with the people closest to them, it was not okay. Do we throw everything out? No, I don't believe we do that. We take what is good. We stay open to the Lord to refine us and to stay we stay open to confess, to do the hard yards with each other, to have the tough conversations, and we keep following Jesus together. I also love what Shauna said in the book. Nothing gets healed or restored or brought back to life unless those of us who still believe in hope, in honesty, in confession, in prayer, and in the sacred reality of the church gathered keep gathering keep working, keep praying, keep making changes. And so I stay. I hold on to the fact that God is and he is love, which is the center of everything. And that's what I'm holding on to. God, I'm holding on to God. He is love. We feel, we feel others, other people feel us. But Jesus doesn't leave us or let us down. We sang it earlier. You know, he loves us with that unfailing love. And there's times I've felt wobbly recently. I've just gone to the Psalms and rested in them and let the words soak into my heart and mind, like this one in Psalm 62. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. That's what I'm standing on. God is my rock, he is my refuge. I pour out my heart to him. He's always been writing the story of his people, and he's always been writing my story, and he's writing yours. So today I just wanted to ask you, what truth are you standing on? What is the story of God in your life and in the people around you, your family, your friends, your home, your workplace, your church, our community, our land? There's places that are close to your heart. For some of you, those places are maybe a bit further away. And as we're entering into this new chapter in, a, in our church, in this new place, what story is God writing over our lives here? You know, I was recalling over the years, times of meeting with Jesus and worship, encounters of the Holy Spirit. What encounters will we have in this room, in this place, with the Holy Spirit as we worship together, as we pray for each other? What things will he impart to us? What will he empower us to do? What will he heal us from and free us from so that we can go out there and let our light shine before others? And who are you inviting into this story? We prayed earlier. We don't want to just, we love y'all, but we don't want to see the same old faces every week. We want to see 
new people experience the safe place that we dream of and the love of Jesus and the hope that we know he gives us in this place. I really believe there is more for us. Um, at Legacy, it just felt like for those of us who are there, faith is rising, God is on the throne and he's moving in our land. Last week, at our, or whenever it was, at our last prayer time on a Sunday night, Hazel prayed, Lord, take us up a gear. And I was like, yes, take us up a gear. And maybe some of you are sitting there going, man, I can hardly get into gear. But you don't have to do it. It's the Holy Spirit who does it, God who does it. He is the one who brings us life and hope, and he is the one who writes our story. And we want to be expectant. Yes, there have been difficult things. Yes, there have been things that we've had to wrestle with and will still have to wrestle with. But God is writing our story, and we want to be part of the kingdom story that he is working in this town and further afield and across our nation.